Hello, this is Aaron Bounds, pastor of the Anchor Church located in Zanesville, Ohio. I want to say thanks for tuning in today. I hope this podcast inspires you, encourages you, and helps you to live the life God called you to live. Let's magnify Him all over this house tonight. Come on, I know it's Wednesday, we've all been working, but why don't we just continue to give our best to the Lord for the next 10 or 15 seconds. The Lord is worthy, and we see Him as He is. The Bible says the angels are going to cry, holy, holy, holy. Amen, amen. I appreciate the peace of God that I feel in this house tonight. Amen. Amen. Well, praise the Lord, everybody. Amen. While you're turning the book of Philippians chapter 2, we'll get right into the word of the Lord. I give honor to all of you tonight for being here, this first post-Easter service. And I heard y'all had a great, great time here at the Anchor. And I know in all of our daughter works we did as well. Just tremendous moves of the Lord and excited for what God is doing in our churches. Praise God. And we certainly give honor to our bishop and pastor and first lady, brother and sister Bounds, while they're gone. And also pastor and sister up to grave, great leaders amongst us. And um, I believe that he is just one of the greatest Christians that there is. And uh, this is a safe place. If you're a visitor here tonight, this is a safe place for you. You can heal here and you can be restored here. And I I can say that because I, I was one 12 years ago. Amen. And he came up to me at an altar, didn't know me. And he just looked at me just with tears running down his face. And he said, the Lord is going to treat you like you never left. And I can testify 12 years later that I feel like I've never been out of church one day in my life. Amen. Praise God. I give honor to Pastor Gators and all of the ministry here tonight. And I give honor to my mother that's here tonight. Love you very much, Mom and Dean. Love you too. And I give honor to my wife there in New Lexington tonight. And Brother Rusty Howdyshell is preaching there. So it is an honor to be here with you tonight. And, uh, I would just say this, maybe you don't know me, maybe you do, but the Bible says in Hebrews 4 that the word didn't profit them because they did not mix their faith with the word that come forth. And so is it fair tonight just to maybe pray before we get into the word of the Lord and open our hearts to receive of the Lord tonight? I believe the Lord has a little something for us tonight, and if we'll just open our hearts to receive the Lord tonight and just stir up the gift that's in us for the next few moments, can we just do that before we get into the word of the Lord? Lord, we love you. We're thankful tonight for your goodness, God, and mercy and all your blessings. We are thankful for the word of the Lord. It's anointed. It's forever settled. And Lord, I just pray in the name of Jesus that the word goes forth. You know every situation, every circumstance, and I pray that you minister, God, to every need, every situation, God, every heart in this building tonight. And we give you praise and honor and glory for all that you're going to do in Jesus' name. Let the church say amen. Philippians 2 and verse 9. Philippians 2 and verse 9. I don't know about you, but this past year, when all this COVID stuff hit, I, when I read my Bible, I have a different feeling. My heart is stirred. And, and, and I think the Lord spoke to me and said, I want you to read my word and don't read it just to, just to read it, but read it to understand the time. Read it to understand the hour. And I'm stirred every time I read the word of the Lord because I do believe we are living in the last hour. Praise God. Philippians 2 and 9. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, 
that at the name of Jesus, that's so important, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Wherefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. I want to preach to you tonight just from this thought. Let me tell you who Jesus is. Let me tell you who Jesus is. Let's clap our hands and thank the Lord for his word tonight. Lord, we love you. Amen. You can be seated in the presence of the Lord. I, I'm probably more of a teacher than a preacher, but I, I do get excited when I talk about Jesus and who Jesus is, and we sung about, about it tonight. Tonight, our focus really will be, if you'll follow along with me, in the book of John. I think when you read the book of John, it's different than all of the other gospels. It's not like Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Uh, uh, his, his, uh, his epistles are somewhat, and the letters that John writes are somewhat unique. Matthew, Mark, and Luke are the first three gospels that are recorded. Let's remember that the Bible is not a chronological book. It's not. That's why sometimes it's confusing for some people when they read it. It's not just page one, page two, page three. You have to learn how to connect the dots. And Matthew, Mark, and Luke was all given their account when they were with Jesus and recording uh, what they were doing, the miracles and the signs and all of the parables and things that Jesus was teaching. But uh, Matthew, the first three gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they have already been written and they've already been recorded. And you can see a lot of similarities when you read Matthew, Mark, and Luke. You can see a lot of the same things, although their styles were different in their writing. You see a lot of similarities about the first three gospels. And when you begin to read, however, the gospel of John, I think if John could get up here and talk tonight and tell us something, I think he would scream. John's gospel screams, let me tell you who Jesus is. His gospel screams very loud and clearly, let me tell you who the Father is. Amen. Let me tell you who Jesus is. And John's writings are different because I believe to understand the culture, understand, or the culture also understand the time frame in which John was written. John's gospel was written in 90 AD. That was about 60 to 70 years after the birth of Jesus. So a lot of time has passed. And when he wrote and recorded these, he was the last remaining apostle. He was the only one left. He seemed more earnest about his writing and what he was saying. Matthew, Mark, and Luke are all gone by the way of the grave. They're not alive now. And they wrote their gospels about 30 years before John begins to pen and write his gospel. Simon Peter's gone. Paul is beheaded by Nero. And John is really the only original elder that's living. He's the, really the only one that's really been there and actually knew what he saw. And so he writes some comforting and encouraging, but also a cautionary word in his gospel to us. And when you study the early church at the turn of this first century, you will find that the world spiritually is very much like the world that we are living in today, praise God. People in society were discarding the apostolics of the day. They were calling them heretics and they were calling them crazy and they were uh, uh, a lot of criticism. They called them irrelevant uh, in that day and they said they were out of touch. They even laughed and made fun of them for their principles of modesty that they lived by. They made fun of their doctrine that they lived by. They pronounced the first church as a relic of days gone by. That was just a thing that used to be. And here's John is under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost. Men started to pull, pull away what happened. They started to pull away from the chief cornerstone. Amen. We can't never get away from the chief cornerstone. We never cannot forget where, 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 who brought us all out of this. We can't never forget about the name of Jesus. 
And now when they begin to pull away from the foundation, now there's alternate lifestyles and now there's a lot of different things happening. At the turn of the century, children were being told it was okay to uh, defy because when you look at the uh, letters, it, it addressed those things. It addressed disobedience. It addressed all of these things that begin to rise up and questioning authority begin to happen and immorality was rampant and somewhat celebrated and, God, and good was being called evil and evil was being called good and there's addiction, there's war, there's murder and there's all these things violence were all commonplace at the turn of the first century does it all sound familiar to you tonight history has a tendency to repeat itself and as the religious folks they had a desire to be accepted amongst these people in society and as you read Paul's letters to the church you can see where Paul addresses these churches and you can uh, get the different languages and how Paul shows up in a church and there's an issue going on in the church so he writes a letter to correct what was happening in that church and uh, I want to tell you today, I thank the Lord for a pastor that preaches the truth. I thank, I thank the Lord that pastor, amen, is willing to stay in the word of the God and hold firm, amen, to that which was first delivered to the saints, praise God. Amen. And I'm all about, you know, I, I want to be accepted. I like people. I don't think there's very many people out there would, would tell you that they don't, they don't care for me or like me. No, I, I want to be accepted by people. I want my loved ones to come to church and I want them to be part of the kingdom of God. And I want to be a great influence in our community, but I don't want all those things at the expense of truth. Praise God. So for the sake of being non-offensive, people begin to criticize the oneness people, the Jesus-only people. Amen. And uh, I, like to, I like the way Bishop says it. We're not Jesus-only. We're Jesus-everything. Yes. Praise God. Yes. But despite all the persecution and the criticism, the church of Jesus continued to press on. And I'm going to tell you, the church will continue to press on because there's coming a day that the Lord is going to come back after his church. He's coming back after a bride. He's looking for something specific when he comes back. He's looking for the bride of Christ. Hallelujah. Still understand this today. There, is a, there will be a great falling away in the last days, but don't get distracted by those things. Still, there are thousands of people that desire to hear the liberating truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Praise God. And so they had all these things happening here. Thousands were embracing the truth in the, at the turn of the century, and they're being converted just as it happened in Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost. And this was 70 years earlier, and churches were still being planted, and missionaries were still being sent. And those who believed were being baptized in the name that's above all names, amen, in the only saving name of Jesus Christ, they were still receiving of the Holy Ghost. And I would submit to you and be safe to say tonight, that's what was going back then, going on back then is still happening today. Amen. If you haven't been baptized in the name of Jesus Christ in this house, you can be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins that you might receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. I know there's a lot of crazy things going on in the world today, but there is still, listen, and sin never has the last say. The cross had the last say. Amen. Where sin abounds, grace does much more abound, praise God. Amen. We can be set free by the blood of the Lamb. It's still, still, still happening all these years later. Evil's being called good and good is being called evil and truth is under attack and people are turning away. And, but in spite of all that, God's church is still growing. God's church is still thriving. We're still baptizing people in Jesus' name. People are still being born of the water and spirit. God is still 
healing, amen, the miracles are still happening. And so as time went on through scripture, you will see, you will see that truth very slowly was being shoved under the carpet, if you will. And John, under the anointing of the Holy Ghost, begins to pen his gospel. Amen. He, I, I hope this younger generation understands. Amen. To thank the Lord for the elders that we have amongst us and that will accept the mantle that's being passed down to them, praise God, to preserve that which was delivered to the saints, praise God. And I hope the younger generation would pick up the mantle. And, you know, John was wondering, I have to believe he was wondering this when he was writing this, would, would the, will the younger generation pick it up? Will they, will they receive the revelation of who Jesus Christ is? And so here he is, he begins to pen and, you know, Will, will they let their light shine? Will they cave into culture and what's going on around them? Will they, will, will they allow God to work with them? And then will they allow the Holy Ghost to lead them in an effort to anchor them in who they are? And so things kept the church, things that really keep the church together in the midst of all the turmoil, there's still things that keep the church together in the midst of all the confusion that's in the world today. We cannot forget those things, praise God. We call it the fruit of the Spirit. And so John, he begins to write under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost. And here's where I want you to catch this tonight. Watch what John pinned in John chapter 1 and verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was anything that was made. And so he realized that in order for the church to keep going forward, in order for the church continuing to thrive, we have to be built up on the right foundation. John goes clear back to the beginning in Genesis 1-1, where it says, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And John, under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost, seemed like he was trying to cement some things down. It, it seemed like he was trying to nail some things down. And we've been built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Scripture says and tells us. So we have to be built upon the right foundation. And he echoes the very first of the Bible. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And let's just read down through here for the sake of reading. It says, in him, verse 4, in him was life and the life was the light of men and the light shineth in the darkness and the darkness comprehended it not and there was a man sent from God whose name was John the same came for a witness to bear witness in the light that all men through him might believe he was not that light but was sent to bear witness of that light and that was the true light which lighteth every man that cometh into the world he was in the world and the world was made by him and the world knew him not he came into his own and his own received him not how many know we're talking about Jesus. Amen. But as many as received um, him, to him he gave power to become the sons of God to them that believe on his name which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man but of God. And the word was made flesh. Aren't you glad for Calvary? Amen. Aren't you glad for Matthew one twenty one? And thou shalt bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. John under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost was telling us, amen, the word was made flesh and dwelt amongst us and we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth, praise God. You hear Pastor Richard today, the mighty revelation of God in Christ Jesus is what the church is built upon, praise God. It's what got the church through turmoil. It's what got the church through situations. It's what got the church through every situation. It was the mighty name of Jesus. Hallelujah. John was one of the first oneness Pentecostals, we could say. And he was very clearly making sure 
to all of us today when we read his gospel and he as he was dying to make sure we stay upon the sure foundation. When you bounce over to his letters in 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, and 1st John 5 and 7, the Bible says that there are three, there are three that bear witness in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit, and these three are one. Everybody say one. The word one is emphasized. John is not preparing or referring to us in establishing a trinity. No, 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 because this point in history, the, this thought of a trinity was not even manifested. It didn't even enter into a man's mind. I want you to think with me for a moment about this. The Bible says in Deuteronomy 6, 4, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. The only idea of three gods existed in pagan history throughout the Old Testament scripture and pagan idolatry. India, India, India had a trinity of gods, Brahma, Vishnu, and Shiva. Egypt had her share of them, Osiris, Ohorus, and Isis. Babylon had a trinity of gods, Nimrod, Tammuz, and Samaras. The Greeks had a trinity of gods in Zeus, Apollos, and Athena. The Romans had Jupiter, Juno, and Minerva. And every time Israel backslid, and every time they went against the commandments of God, every time they went away from the law of God, they would serve a Canaanite trinity called Baal, Moloch, and Astaroth. But that's not where John's writing was about or what he was revealing. But I think anytime you get away from who Jesus is, you're in trouble. Amen. He said, I'm not going to have any other gods before me. He said, I I and my Father are one, praise God. Any, any more form of worship than one God is idolatry, praise God. Amen. And God is not the author of any confusion. And John was under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost. He said, these three are one. He was echoing the foundation. I'm going to tell you, the devil's got the revelation. Thou believe in one God, thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. And that lets me know that just believing is not going to get you into heaven. Because the devils believe, but they ain't getting into heaven. Believing is your first action step towards salvation. Believing is your first action step in getting to an altar of repentance. Believing is your action step in getting to a, not waters of baptism for the remission of sins. So you might receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Paul would tell the Ephesians, there's one Lord, one faith, one baptism. Yeah. Hallelujah. And if you study John closely, it differs from the others because not only does he strive to show us what Jesus did and said, but it's as if, think about it, 90 years later, a couple generations later, John's trying to preserve something and nail some things down because people are straying away from the truth. John wants to make sure before he dies he wants us to know who Jesus is. And he did that because he understood when we lose who Jesus is, we've lost everything. When we lose the name, nothing works. Acts 4.12 says, neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. The new birth does not work without the name of Jesus Christ. Remission of sins doesn't happen without the name of Jesus Christ. The infilling of the Holy Ghost doesn't happen without the name of Jesus Christ. Divine healing never happens without the name of Jesus Christ. Miracles will never happen without the name of Jesus Christ. That's why when you pray, if you've got the Holy Ghost, amen, you hear me tonight. When you say in the name of Jesus, you say everything that embodied, amen, the God of creation 
salvation. You provided the provider, the healer, the righteousness, the banner, the holiness of God. When you say Jesus, you say everything that he embodied. And when we call on his name, it's not just understanding. Hear me tonight. It's not just understanding who he was. Because a lot of people think that he just was somebody. But we just sang about it tonight, which was and is the Almighty. He's not somebody who just was a has-been. Jesus is still alive and well, praise God. How many believe that today? There's something about the name of Jesus, amen. We can worship him in spirit and in truth. And you gotta hear me. We, we, can't, we can't put God in this box tonight. They, Jesus is seeking. He showed the woman at the well that the Father is seeking such to worship him, a worshiper. And the woman at the well thought it was about a location and a place. It was just, we can get caught up in our religious ideas. If it doesn't happen at the anchor, it's not going to happen. But Jesus was about to put something new onto the scene here. He was beginning to tell this woman, this isn't about a location or a place. This is about a revelation of who I am and wherever I am. So if you walk out of here in faith and full of the Holy Ghost, you know you can walk up to a friend that's a little bit discouraged and maybe they're down and maybe they don't have enough faith to pick up themselves. Maybe they've lost a love one, you can walk up to that person. You don't have to say, wait till Sunday and come in here, pastor, preach. You can lay hands on them or hold their hand or whatever you feel prompted to do. And when you just say the name of Jesus, see, I'm not the miracle worker, but he's the miracle worker. I'm just allowing him to flow through me to touch you. Praise God. See, you got to mix your faith with believing today. Praise God. From that very first sentence, John sets out to confirm that Jesus Christ is who he said he was. Jesus is the only one true God in a body of flesh. John's gospel, when you read it, records no parables, unlike the rest of the gospels. He doesn't record any parables. Most of the time, he records a lot of conversations that the other gospels did not record. For instance, when you read John 3, chapter 5, the only instance in chapter 3, John 3 and 5, was when, G, when the, the, the conversation with Nicodemus was recorded. When Nicodemus shows up and Jesus said, if, you, if you're not born again of the water and spirit, you cannot see the kingdom of God. And he goes on to say, if you're not born again of the water and spirit, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus says, I don't understand. How can I go into my mother's womb and be born again? And Jesus said, no, no, no. He said, no, no, no. I'm not talking to you about a natural birth. I'm talking to you about a spiritual birth. Except the man's born of the water and of the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. John, under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost, not recorded in any other gospels. It's, it's 90 years later. He was, he was nailing some things down in his gospel. And John is very selective about the miracles that happened and the ones that he wrote about. He always seems to connect them with the teachings of Jesus. Jesus Christ and Jesus would multiply, multiply the loaves and the fishes and John would make sure he said a statement. He writes, Jesus said in the gospels when he refers to this miracle of the loaves and fishes, he recorded that Jesus said, I am the bread. John also wrote that Jesus healed the blind man. He wrote that Jesus said, I am the light of the world. It's no incidence that he was saying I am and throwing I am in there. He was on a mission not to talk about what Jesus did, but to understand who Jesus is. John was screaming, let me tell you who Jesus is. Let me tell you all about the Savior. You can't find deliverance in Buddha. You'll never find it in a, in a, in a drink of alcohol or a line of drugs. Can I tell you tonight, you'll never find peace in anything that's man-made in this world. You only find peace in the name of Jesus. You only find deliverance in the name of Jesus. Can I tell you that you can go to a place in the supernatural tonight that you 
you'll never find in a line of drugs. You'll never find it in a, in a moral relationship. You know why? Because there's a place inside of us that's designed by God that only he can fill. And it's Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. I'm, I'm thankful that we have that revelation tonight. You'll never find hope in a horoscope. Amen. I'm not here to tell you about what Jesus did, but I want you to understand tonight because it's important you know who you are calling on out and who you're worshiping. I want you to know this tonight, that it's all in him, the Bible says. In Colossians 2, 9 says, the fullness, for in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power. Can I, can I let some people, let some pressure off some people tonight? You'll never be a perfect Christian because we have flesh, but hear me, you can be complete in him. We can be complete in him, and his grace is sufficient for us. In our weakness, his strength is made perfect. Aren't you thankful for God's grace that comes into our life and operates in our life? It's only John's, stick with me here, is everybody okay? It's only in John's gospel that he talks about in length about who Jesus is. John's the only one that records what theologians call the I am statements. The I am statements of Jesus. You read it constantly. I have them highlighted throughout my Bible. I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the door. I am the resurrection to Lazarus, praise God. I am the good shepherd. The life that believes in me, though he were dead, yet shall he lives. He said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. Amen. No one comes to the Father but by me. I am. It's really, I know, I know it's maybe not a revelation to a lot of you. Maybe it's just a maybe it's just a noun and a verb to you tonight. I am. But the, the interpretation of scripture when you look at it, because we only see a pronoun I followed by am. What's What's the big deal, Pastor Richard? That's what some see it, and rightfully so. But there's a whole lot more obvious, amen, in the ancient Hebrew language that we read about in the book of Exodus. I am. It was so obvious when Jesus was there. That's why it infuriated the Pharisees. Every time Jesus would say, I am, because he was referring all the way back in the book of Exodus. When Moses asked the question, who do, who do I tell them that sent me? And God said, you tell them that the I am, that the I am has sent me. Amen. That's why when Jesus was saying, I am the door, I am the light, I am the bread, I am the vine, they knew what he was referring himself to be. Amen. They didn't get the revelation of who he was. But aren't you glad tonight you know who he is? Praise God. <laughs> Hallelujah. And understand that's what infuriated the religious people so much. The carpenter from Nazareth. They didn't like the fact that he would say I am because he was using the ancient name of God that was revealed to Moses on the backside of a desert out of the midst of a burning bush. And God sends, and see, here's the thing. We, we think that conversation with God and Moses was all about, all, about, all about Moses trying to convince Pharaoh to let the people go. It wasn't about, the enemy knows who Jesus is. Any enemy that's against God knows who the Lord is. Moses said, how do I convince the brethren? How can I convince you tonight, church, that he is the I am? How can I convince you tonight that he is a healer? How can I convince you tonight that he is the Prince of Peace? How can I convince you? You see, here's, here's like it is tonight. This is awesome. Mm. 
It's good water. It's good inside of me too. That did me a whole lot of good, but it didn't do you a whole lot of good. In some moment, you gotta, you gotta step outside of your comfort zone and get a drink for yourself. And you've got to experience it from yourself because all of a sudden when you get an experience of it for yourself, amen, you're going to get a powerful revelation of who Jesus Christ is. The Bible says it's Christ in you, the hope of all glory, praise God. Amen. When Jesus was declaring I am, he was, he was reaching back to the greatest point in Hebrew history and declaring I am that the I am. I'm the one who has, I'm the one who caused the burning bush to never burn out. I'm the one. I am. Jesus is the great I am. He's not a God who was, but he is a God who is. He said, I am the Alpha. I am the Omega. I am the beginning. I am the end. Praise God. That's what he said in Revelations, which is to come the Almighty. Come on, how many believe Hebrews 13, 8 says he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Praise God. He's an ever-present help in time of struggle and need. Amen. If you need, if you need healing and you need deliverance, we're going to have an altar call here in a few moments, and nobody's going to do anything crazy, but just the fact that you would step up to the front of this place and say, I have a need in my life. Praise God. God's going to touch you and minister to your situation, your circumstance, whatever you need. Is that fair enough in this house tonight? How many believe that Jesus can do something in this place tonight? Amen. We don't have time to go into all of it, but in John chapter 8, verse 58, see the religious folks are trying to figure out who he is, and they ask a question if he had seen Abraham. Have you seen Abraham? And Jesus said unto them, verily, verily, I say unto you, before Abraham was, I am. Hallelujah. Before your Abraham, what he was saying was, before your ancestor, before your heritage ever stepped foot on the face of this earth, I was before him. Before he ever stepped out of the land of the earth and the Chaldees, before he ever did any of that, I was there, praise God. Before Abraham was, I am. I was already there. Jesus wasn't claiming to be like God or a smaller version of God. No, he wasn't just a part of God. No, he was claiming to be the I am. He knew exactly what he was saying when he was saying that. And those Pharisees knew very well what he was stating himself to be because when he said that, they picked up stones and were ready to cast him at him because he would say the reverent words that they would not say out of reverence to the Lord but when he said that they were ready to run him out of town and kill him because he was claiming to be God and you'll find all throughout the gospel of John that Jesus uses the I am statement he uses it everywhere underlined it when you see it I think John is just screaming to us I want you to know let me tell you who Jesus is let me tell you who he is amen and let me tell you the woman at the well in the midst of a storm an ordinary man named Peter steps out in faith and and he defies the laws of gravity and he walks on the water. In chapter 18, Jesus speaks his name in a garden at midnight. An entire army of soldiers fell to the ground like dead men at the name of Jesus. I mean, there's power in the name of Jesus. And you think the devil can just throw something at you, amen, and take you. If you could have been taken out of the picture, you would have been gone a long time ago. But you woke up this morning and you're still breathing. And as long as you have breath in this life, you still have hope. You can still change your path. You can still change your course. You can still repent of your sins and get right with God. Hallelujah. Amen. 
The name of Jesus has authority over every affliction, over every disease, over every devil. And when you speak the name of Jesus, you are unleashing the power of God to work through your circumstance. How many believe that tonight? Amen, I'm landing down the stretch here. The Hebrew word, I am, was four consonants, Y-H-W-H. Everybody say Yahweh. No vowels. They pronounced it Yahweh or Jehovah, which means Jesus has become my salvation. Hallelujah. It represents the same word, the same God, but there was a time in Jewish history when they were in Babylonian captivity around 450 A.D., when they were set free and returned to Israel, they realized God was unhappy with them and they allowed them to be in captivity. So they began to put laws in place. And it seemed that they were paranoid about blasphemy and rightfully so, taking the name of the Lord in vain. So they put some things in the law that they live by to protect them from breaking God's word. And so they began to out outlaw the using of the name of God in the law. They saw that name as reverent and holy, so no one was allowed to speak of it. That's why, the, that's why when you read in John, they were furious when Jesus would say, I am, because he was in reality breaking a law that they had. It got to the place that even the high priest couldn't say it. And finally, 300 years before Jesus was born, they completely pass a law that even the high priest could not speak the name of God. The last high priest that we know of to use the name of God was Simon. He died about 270. No one was allowed to speak the name. They could only use a substitute word, which was Adoniah. Adoniah, which means my Lord, my Lord. And when they read scripture aloud and they came across Yahweh or God, they would substitute Adonai because of the law that was in place. It was in its place and the people knew it was there, but they didn't dare speak the name and the people to whom God revealed a powerful name to were ashamed, afraid to speak the name out loud. Can I tell you that we cannot be afraid to speak the name of Jesus in any situation or circumstance that we have. And that's why this gospel of John is so powerful. Sister, would you come and play? Because all of a sudden, out of nowhere comes in this seemingly nobody. Can anything good come out of Nazareth, this carpenter from Nazareth? Who's walking on the streets? Who's this guy think he is using the name? No Israelite, no priest, no high priest could speak this name for 300 years. And all of a sudden, this man Jesus was using this name as if it was his own name as if that he had property rights to it. You know why? It's because it was his name. It was he who spoke to Abraham. It was he who spoke to Moses. How many know he declares the end from the beginning, the beginning to the end? And I tell you tonight in this place, the Lord does have an expected end for you. Thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you an expected end. Something very powerful happens here that I don't, I think we overlook and I hope, I hope you catch this tonight. 
in the Old Testament, in the Old Testament, kind of tucked away in scriptures. There's a there's a book that people don't like to read a whole lot. It's the book of Leviticus. There was laws that was set in place for the priest, how they were to manage things and handle things. And Leviticus 21 and 10, this was for the priest. The Bible says. And he that is the high priest among his brethren upon whose head the anointing oil was poured and that is consecrated to put on the garments shall not uncover his head nor rend his clothes. The priest was never allowed to rent his garments. The moment a priest would ever rent his garments, he gave up his right to be the priest. That was in the law. That was the Jewish law. They couldn't rent their garment. His garments were considered holy. Holy. And now Jesus is standing trial before the Sanhedrin court. And they are all keepers of the law. They, they knew the law frontwards and backwards. They judge and they give out the yay, they give out the nay, and they handle situations, they handle circumstances. And they are all trying Jesus for blasphemy because of what he had been doing. Jesus is standing for the high court of Israel, but they can't get him to say anything. He's just silent as scripture prophesied would be. And Caiaphas, the high priest, is infuriated with Jesus because he won't say anything. And Mark records this. Jesus kept silent and answered nothing. And the high priest Caiaphas asked the question, art thou the Christ? The son of the blessed. Now get this, Jesus is standing eye to eye with the high priest at this moment in scripture. Caiaphas has never spoken the name of God. He's a law keeper. His father before him didn't speak it and all of a sudden Jesus, soon as Caiaphas asked the question, he answers Caiaphas, art thou the Christ? Jesus says, I am the Christ. And at that moment, Caiaphas rent his clothes. Do you know what happened at that moment? Caiaphas gave up his right to be the high priest and Jesus became our high priest. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The priest is so angry because Jesus is speaking the forbidden name, commanding, claiming to be the Messiah. And in that moment, watch this. The high priest, let's all stand. He rent his clothes, said, what need we any further witnesses? And they all condemned Jesus to be deserving of death. Remember, they knew the law. The priest was never to rent his garment. But at that moment, something happened in the supernatural. Something happened in the atmosphere. When Caiaphas lifted his hand and ripped his garment, he disobeyed the law. And the moment he did, the high priest of Israel was passed from Caiaphas to Jesus Christ. How many knows that Jesus became that high priest? Understand this today, that Jesus Christ never went to the cross as a victim. He went there willingly as our savior. They did not take his life, he gave his life as a ransom for all. He went as the high priest bearing the sins of the whole world. It was sacrificial. 
It was about salvation. That's why Philippians, the writer of Philippians tells us, wherefore God hath highly exalted him and given him a name that's above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee's going to bow and every tongue's going to confess. He goes on to tell us that we're all going to have to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. But what a wonderful revelation we have tonight. Jesus, the Son of God. The Bible says, hold fast to your profession, for we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was at all points tempted like as we are yet without sin. Because his blood was shed, now we can say, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. I ask you tonight if there are any situations in this house. It's a simple message tonight, but if maybe you've got a situation you need God to intervene in. Maybe we could just begin to make our way to this altar tonight and begin to call out on the name above all names. Because you hear me all throughout scripture, Jesus was revealing himself to individuals. When he came to Abraham, it was... He was calling Abraham to sacrifice and take your son, your only son, which was a type of Christ and a type of Jesus Christ. And Abraham was willingly obeyed the word of God. And upon that mountain, the Lord revealed himself to there as Jehovah Jireh. Abraham got a revelation that he is my provider. How many knows that Jesus is a provider? There was Jehovah Rapha, which is the Lord, my helper. Another one was revealed as Jehovah Nissi, our banner. Another was Jehovah Kaddish, one who sacrifices. All throughout the Old Testament, Jesus was slowly revealing himself and who he is. Jehovah Shalom, amen, the peace of God. Jehovah Tiskanu, the righteousness. Jehovah Roy, the shepherd. Jehovah Shammah, the Lord is there. Jehovah Saboth, the Lord of hosts. That's why we can say he is the light in my salvation. Whom shall I fear and whom shall I be afraid? When you say the name of Jesus, amen, you get the embodiment of everything that he is, praise God. So I ask you tonight, is there anything too hard for God in your life? You just have to mix your faith with the word of God. The promises of the Lord are yea and amen. As they begin to sing, why don't we make our way to this altars? We have ministers that will be willing to pray for you. If you need healing, if you need a touch, amen, if you need restoration in your life, if you need forgiveness in your life, we would just love to pray with you tonight. We would love to encourage you tonight. Let's just worship him in this house tonight for who he is. Amen. And not just who he is. Amen. But let's worship him tonight for where we're going and the promises that we have in the Lord. In him are the promises of the Lord. Amen. They're yea and amen. Let's magnify the name of Jesus in this house. Hallelujah. Oh God, I pray you touch us right now. Let the angels of the Lord move in this place. Lord, I pray you touch infirmities and sicknesses in bodies right now. Lord, we're here to call on your name. You are our shepherd. You are our shepherd, God, and we are the sheep of your pasture, Lord. And we ask you, Lord, to move upon us, God, to touch us, Lord God. Oh, God, let us leave this place different than what we came. Lord, let us leave different, God, with a different mindset of who you are, God. You're an ever-present help in time of trouble and needs. 
You're my shield and you're my buckler and you're my strength, God. You're all my all in all. You own the cattle on a thousand hills, God. In the name of the Lord Jesus, let's just worship him in his house. Let's lift up his name in his house. From beginning to the end, it will always be. It's always been you, Jesus. Jesus. Jesus at the center of it all. Thanks again for listening to the Anchor Church Podcast. If you enjoyed it, make sure you subscribe so you can keep up on our weekly sermons. If you're in the Zanesville area, we invite you to join us on Sundays. You can find all the details on our website at theanchor.church. Again, thanks so much for listening, and we hope to see you soon.